Welcome to the Unlock the People podcast. I'm your host, Static G. During my travels, I've manifested my wildest dreams and my darkest nightmares, and we're going to talk about it. I met so many amazing people along the way, including my man right here, Sinbad, the witness, who has joined me on my journey to complete my mission and unlock the people. Let's get it. Let's get into it. So in episode six, we're going to wake up. But, you know, I, I love a good old double entendre because I'm a writer and a rapper. So we're going to try to wake up that third eye as well and see what we can do and just kind of sh- rattle reality a little bit so you guys can kind of see life through my lens and kind of understand things the way I do, I think. All right. We're going to shoot for it. But first, let's flash back to right before my suicide. Because right Yeah, school wasn't serving me and I started to resent it. Because back in the day, at least it felt like, you know, it was like a community, you know, Miss Salvador came there for me after my fire. Mr. Weiss was there unlocking information for me, exposing the Columbus situation, making me think, hey, maybe I'm being fed propaganda. And then I later had Miss uh, MC Virus come around with some more like, I guess you'd call it conspiracy stuff. But it was really just a lot of hidden truths is what he exposed to me. So I didn't really have that in my, um, I guess, high school, middle school element anymore. And I started to resent it because, you know, I was smarter than 98% of the kids in my grades back when I was younger. And it just seemed like that never meant anything. Mm -hmm. I had been a great artist, great drawer, but I couldn't, it did nothing for me. I could write music. I could just, I could sing, you know, and just like, because I was too poor, it didn't matter. And it started to really eat at my soul. So I didn't really have friends at school and my friends, Tyler, Funky, and all these other cats would pick me up. And I would just basically ditch almost like every day. And I would just show up to get my homework and keep above average grades in all these classes, except for art and um, lunch. <laughs> I'd always show up for lunch. Yeah, it's hard to fail lunch. Yeah, <laughs> shit, it's hard to skip lunch. Shit. Yeah. When you're hungry, but uh, so I did. But then I was I went to this alternative school for a little bit, and I was doing pretty good there. But it, you know, it got really cold one time, and like I said, man, my mom, we weren't like rich or nothing like that. So on Christmas, I'd get like my tooth pulled sometimes or I'd get a coat, you know, and I'd have to like pick between what I could get. And it is what it is. I was never mad about it, but that's just how life was. And I didn't have a coat. So my friend gave me one of his coat or hoodies, which was an ICP hoodie. And at that time, (laughs) this band ICP, they were considered like a gang by the federal government. I'm not familiar with ICP. Yeah. Their music's crazy. They're they're all right. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, I like some of their shit, but really I'm not a huge fan. But these cats that I was hanging out with, some of them were juggalos, you know, and he was one and he gave me that coat and I got fucking kicked out for wearing it inside the fucking building for like five steps. It was snowing outside. I was cold. You know, I walked right to my computer and anyways, they kicked me out. Um, I got uh, basically told to go home and then I got pissed off about it and drank some of my brother's lean. What's lean? Yeah, it's promethazine. He broke like his collarbone and broke some bone and he had a little bit of lean. So I drank that and went went into my class. I wrote fuck you on my knuckles like this. And I walked in there. I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. (laughs) Like, I really did that shit. And it was just it was just, um, you know, I felt bad because I think I was scaring people a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody got hurt. I got arrested, but I didn't get charged with nothing. And I got I basically had to drop out of school. And, um, you know, it kind of sucked. I didn't want to drop out of school. Me and my buddy promised ourselves that we wouldn't ever drop out and we'd graduate and all that shit. And it's just like I had actually dropped out once before that and went back to school just for this to happen, you know? And it's just like, man, education system just really ain't there for me at all. You know, like you shared, you had all these like beautiful talents that you would have loved to work hard at and serve. But sounds like the school system just didn't have that offering for you. Right. 
Like, what do you do? What do you do with kids that are talented in this day and age? You don't do nothing. You put them to work and break them. <laughs> you break their souls. It's sad. <laughs> so then later on, that led to me killing myself, which we've been discussing. And this leads me to being in a coma for day three. Um, this is the third day that I'm in a coma. And my mom's kind of worried about me. She thinks, like, is my son ever going to wake up? You know, my family doesn't know. My dad don't know. Um, they're all stressed. Like, he just ate 85 pills. Is he ever going to wake up? You know? I feel bad. I feel really bad nowadays. Like back then it was just so, I felt so little love around me and yeah, disconnected. I, yeah. It was just sad. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about how to make others feel, but these days, now that I look back, I'm able to see like, damn, I scared a lot of people, hurt a lot of people, you know, it's uh, it was rough. So I'm, I'm sitting there and before I get back to waking up, actually, I kind of want to discuss this crazy thing that I've been like deciding, should I even tell people this, but I'm gonna, and it's exploring the idea of a multiverse a little bit, okay? Okay. Bear with me. <laughs> so it's like you've seen the Spider-Man movies. Yep. Um, or some of these other movies that they explore the idea. Yeah. Comic books do it all the time. Multiverse. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, like all the other options are like, what if this happened? What if you didn't go that you went left instead of right? Yeah, well, my life is like that. <laughs> I swear to God. I can't. I can't describe it in a way outside of that. I remember watching the Spider-Man movie with my daughter and I just saw it and I started crying in the middle of it, the newer one. And I was just crying a little bit to myself, just like, damn, they understand me. Like, this is how my life is. And I'm going to explain it a little bit. I don't want to like get too deep into it or rack people's brains up too much. I just wanted to feel what I felt growing up. And so we touched a little bit on death, which is like this indescribable experience being like one with the creator essence, non-existence, exact in a state of non-existence while existing yeah and it's sort of like it, for me it's like ego death it's like the mind the personality just kind of stops and you are just existing yeah something like that but it was like i skip reincarnation skip heavens just being nothing you know it was crazy and it was but i wasn't like gone you know i was still aware it's hard to explain but uh realizing that death isn't the end but that it's a kind of a continuous cycle and that's it's it's basically like a rebirth every time is something that was really interesting to me but at this point i didn't connect that with an immortal soul i connected it more with um you know maybe getting lucky or maybe that god wasn't real and i was just like yeah i'm gonna run through this life and achieve my dreams like i've said in the other episodes um but this is where i think the mandela effect happened for me and if you don't know mandela effect is an effect from uh they call it a misremembering which is where millions of people supposedly misremember an entire thing about something that they say happened and then in this reality never actually happened yeah like the thing with the berenstein bears berstein bears thing yeah and berenstein bears was one of the ones that triggered me because i i'm a great speller from school i love school again but i would always spell in that word and specifically i related it to like einstein and I was like, that's how I remembered how to spell it. And then when you're trying to tell me, okay, there's Berenstain, now it's now it's now it's Berenstain yeah. with a, like a stain on my shirt. I'm like, that's wrong. And then I saw another version too, because I've been in a couple different realities. And another one at one time was Bear, like B-E-A-R in stain. I was like, man, this is crazy that the world is changing around me. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but, but uh, these Mandela effects, are kind of what I think I've experienced in my deaths. And that's why I wonder to myself, is it possible that either we've all died or or our existence has been transferred? Because there is a, uh, I did notice in my 
changes at least that I'm not in the same earth I was in. And I know this sounds crazy, but I was in like the Sagittarius arm cluster or something like that over here. And now I'm like over here in the Orion, um, somewhere over here on the far right side, at least for what I was looking at. And it's, it's hard to explain without pictures. I hope someday we can get some pictures on here and show people what I'm talking about. So that's don't sound yep. crazy, but like literally, um, I'm saying this because I have uh, multiple memories of multiple Derek Jensen's um, because of this suicide. And uh, so basically my mom, she remembers the story that I've told you so far, because that's the timeline that I'm in, Yeah. which is, which is that, um, Ted killed himself. I followed and she blamed him for my suicide. And then, um, I later on actually had another second attempt. Yeah. I mean, that's the story I heard about. It's like, he even came to you like inside and he was essentially, you were the last person he spoke to before he made that decision. Yeah. And then, and that's the case in each time. For the multiverse, I have the memories of the Derek who died before Ted and the Derek who died after Ted. And it's it's been confusing for me because I'm trying to figure out some shit as I go. And it's really hard when you have multiple people's memories. And but it's the same person, obviously. Let's start there. If that if that makes sense, I can move on. All right. When you had your death experience, your physical body in this reality and your physical body in a different reality sort of had a spiritual crossover. And now there's this compiling of memories. Kind of. And well, because in science, even there's like this quantum theory that there's infinite realities, infinite things going on. And until observed, that doesn't become real. And in my opinion, when you're um, dealing with when, I, when I'm talking about God, raising your vibrations up to unconditional love, tapping in with your third eye, awakening, so to speak, touching into that third eye. Um, it's all about being able to connect with that. And if you can't do that, you won't be observed. So you can still bounce around these infinite realities. But once you awaken your third eye, you're observed and you become one with God. And that's where your reality starts to become real, I guess, if that makes sense. So, yes. Yeah, kind of like the Schrodinger's cat concept. The, you know, they place a cat and a vial of poison in a box. The vial of poison will set off an indeterminate amount of time that you have no idea what it is. It's only by opening the box and observing the outcome that you know, you actually know until you open the box, both can be considered true. The cat can both be considered alive and dead at the same time mm -hmm. until observed. Until observed. Yeah. And that's a basic scientific theory as well. And I believe that's true in life through my experience is that there is multiple realities and we're able to quantum jump or die and end up in another one. And there, there could be a lot of explanations for Mandela effect because Mandela effect is an effect. It's not the cause, right? There's a cause to it. Um, there's people at CERN playing around with black holes. There could be a lot of things that happen. We could have just got sucked into a black hole. We could still all be very much alive. You know, it's like there's an, I'm not sitting here trying to fuck up anybody's reality or give you an existential crisis or anything like that. Just make you realize that, yo, if I've experienced multiple realities, at least three to four, I've, I count four could be more or less, but this is how many I've documented in my realities. Um, then I believe that everybody could actually start to track themselves and say, hey, wait a minute. I might be not in the same earth I was born in, which sounds crazy at first when you start thinking about it. But I really just I really struggled with deciding if I should talk about this. Well, I mean, you know, hey, if nothing else, I think a lot of that inspiration kind of bled into your stand to video because I was behind the scenes for that. Yeah. And seeing how that kind of story unfolds, like even that kind of had some multiverse stuff in it. Totally. And, you know, kids used to call me uh, feminine growing up like I've, and then I ended up being friends with a lot of juggalos, which was weird, but which is cool because juggalos are cool as fuck. But um, it was just interesting that there was they were beefing ICP and Eminem. I say that that's why I say that because they're beefing at the time. And um, yeah, and I made this Stan 2 video, which taps into the idea of what if I was Stan or what if 
Eminem's music or whatever they're doing in the industry is programming all these stands to have the same backstory and do the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Just some. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like literally, you start the the video with like, "Hey, it's me, Stan. Like I survived, or I remember surviving the crash. Mm -hmm. Maybe I died. I don't know. I remember yeah. both." Yeah. And it's like then at the end, I reveal, "Oh, by the way, my name's Derek. They call me Static G. Here's my mixtape. You should hear it." You know, it's just like it's a cool little plot twist because uh, people are even thinking, too. I, I heard a lot of people say, well, that's it was his little brother, Matthew. That's who they thought I was in Stan, yeah, too. I had that well, it's funny because Stan, too, and Matthew rhyme. Yep. So I was really hoping people would go there and it could be. But also Eminem made the bad guy um, album or song a long time ago. And that was the follow up to Stan. Well, I made the bad guy album around the same time frame, not not even thinking about that. You know what I'm saying? There's just a lot of things that are lined up in this universe that are pretty cool. There's a lot of synchronicities and I'm in the universe where things are lining up for me because I feel like I've transferred these universes by uh, quantum leaps, quantum jumps, by the things I've done, some meditation, occasional drug use <laughs> back in the day. But now I focus on you know sobriety, um, pure mind, pure thoughts, unconditional love and vibrating at a higher level. But um, through my life, I've basically been on the run from the fire, you know, just trying to get the fuck out. And um, the reason I do say this and mention this, it, the reason it's so important for me to mention this, I think, this uh, idea that I have multiple memories is because the Bible has changed. The pyramids of Giza have moved. They've become less tarnished. There's the Buddha, uh, Vishnu, ninth avatar connection. There's there's stuff in pop culture that can't be explained that's changed, which we'll get into. Um, people are so focused on these minor chain or minor differences in each scripture and not focused on such amazing similarities that we can all pull from and that we can all unite be united in and i think um there should be like a freedom for religion and it's like however you connect to god that's up to you and um however you want to do that or don't do that is up to you but in the space that i'm in when i'm dead right here I'm breaking into a whole new reality. And it's just, I have to explain this to myself somehow. And it took me 10 years of being blind to this kind of, I'll, I'll tell you my story of how I unfolded slowly like a, like a lotus flower. But it, the, the awakening that I'm talking of now, I didn't have until 2017, up until, from then until 2024, where we're at today. Um, so this is back in 2000, maybe six, when I, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's when I think this stuff started for me. And again, um the mandela effect has proven multiple things can happen to the same person in different timelines like people can actually die in a timeline and everybody remember it and then in another timeline or in that same timeline them actually be alive and then not be able to explain it because they all remember millions of people remember it. that's actually what mandela effect was named after was nelson mandela everybody believed he died in the 80s um and then all of a sudden nope he's actually alive and he's doing pretty good <laughs> you know it's just like in this reality things have changed and you have to it's hard to accept it when you just have this sinking feeling that in your reality this is what happened and and again i don't want to give people an existential crisis but there's a possibility we are transferring realities or that we are so in control of our reality that we can change the world around us by raising our perception and tapping into that divinity like i have been yeah some of our self-security comes from our memory it you mm -hmm. know when it gets challenged or questioned that can cause panic because that's how like oh i'm comfortable in my life because this is my memory of chain of events and now wait no my memory is different wait wait what what is real it's like you know it shakes you remember uh, it. remember i said i had ptsd a lot of and a lot of kids when you get childhood trauma you block shit out right yeah 
So who's to say that the energy doesn't carry, your soul doesn't carry the information and that your brain isn't unlocked to you until you're able to process that information, until you activate those parts in your brain to be able to handle this kind of shit, right? You're going to yeah. receive this information as you're starting to be ready for it, by the way. Like that's how this universe works. That's how the multiverse works is you get the information and you're attracted to it and it's attracted to you as you're supposed to get it. So everybody out there that's receiving this information wake up <laughs> it's time i'm your alarm clock but um this is just really cool information to me i just think it's interesting when you really think about reality and it takes the blandness away from it it really takes the blah yeah. away from life and makes it like so much more magnificent and wonderful yeah when the world you're in especially if you feel it's very small and dark and you're presented with the vastness of possibility it's it's just amazing you become fearless and that's the power of god too but let's talk about sally field for a minute give you a real-time example so sally field she um well i knew her as sally fields a lot of people did and yeah. you know who she is or no uh no not really i've heard the name sally fields but i don't really know who that is so she won an oscar in 1985 or something and i don't remember what movie but she said something along the lines of at the award speech you like me you really really like me and everybody remembered it because it was cute it's iconic she was adored worldwide i specifically remember that as well but she sally field in this timeline only remembers saying i can't deny the fact that you like me right now you like me excuse me but that's not even that's not even iconic at all that's actually kind of like weird and just rolls off the tongue funny excuse me <sighs> Most people who remember the cornucopia on the Fruit of the Loom, the monocle on the Monopoly guy, Darth Vader saying, Luke, I am your father, the mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, these kind of things. Like you said, the Berenstein Bears, yeah. they remember the first one. Do you really, really like me? And I actually remember another third one. I remember the uh, um, you love me. You really, really love me. And there's there's people that remember some realities or they only remember their own reality. And I think it's like a spiritual PTSD where you're only going to you're only going to know what you your brain allows you to perceive. Right. So when we're talking about multiple realities, the Sally Field situation is a result of the Mandela effect. I would also like to mention she has family that actually works there, too, at CERN. Um, CERN, their logo is a six, six, six which is interesting um, at the way it's positioned, you can pull it out. And they're the ones that have been playing with black holes, play, basically playing God. And I think they're responsible for so maybe moving us. CERN is a science lab or what like a nuclear research thing. Oh. I'm not sure exactly where they're positioned, uh, but I've just always questioned, like after I woke up to that 10 years after the suicide is when I started noticing the differences. Um, when I started realizing, I'm like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know, what do you do? my suicide and my upcoming experiences with quantum jumping and reality shifting and mandela effect as well as well as my experience with god and i mean that in life and in death are truly where this reality of duality began for me which is matter and spirit light and dark god and the devil like who do i serve are you serving your body or your soul and like that's how you kind of get trapped in hell which is just a veil from god is the farthest you can be is in your body you know the closest you can be to god is in your spirit that's why I say be a good person and live in the unity consciousness. And that's how it works as you serve, you live to help others. And that's, um, that's whatever form you achieve. And that's why I'm speaking to this is because before I saw one world, one body, one life, one lens, one God, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, somewhat true, but the things that happened to me after death helped me realize the infinite nature to reality is why I'm bringing this up. I, I really struggled with if I should say this shit because I think it makes me sound crazy. People are going to be like, Oh, 
you're on drugs or you you know but you know i'm fucking pretty chill i'm sober i don't really fuck around you know what i'm saying yeah turn my life around in a lot of ways for the better and the reason i'm presenting this information is because i want to show people how to do it in their life because if you're in a multiverse if you feel trapped in your one world like you'll never get out just know you can you can pray and move your way out of that situation get out the fire no matter where you're at because heaven and hell is not only within the universes it is here on earth it's within ourselves and beyond where we're at but if our brain can block out childhood traumas then it can definitely block out you know your ability to get to the next level if you're not ready yeah and that's kind of what it is hell is a veil from god so I, the way to get out of that fucking hell is tap in baby and <laughs> we're at day three in my uh we're at day three in my coma yeah you haven't even woken up yet physically or yeah 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 so now that we're processing the idea of possible multiverse possible multi-realities before i wake up because we're about to you mentioned my soul is in a void i'm going to cross roads between life and death and um i want you to think of life like a choose your own adventure book yeah you ever read one of those uh i've read like one or two in my life mostly i play like choose your own adventure like video games like mass effect maybe uh well right now i'm playing a game called Baldur's gate 3 which nice. is like high fantasy choose your own adventure make your own character you know choose your path okay if you play this game mass effect through multiple times you can do these things that seem different like you're doing your own thing but at the end you always end up in the same place just a little bit different yep i remember you can do a, a good hero playthrough play paragon you could do the the renegade you know renegade for life kind of the evil playthrough but ultimately they kind of still you end up fighting the final boss at the same you you end up basically having the same decisions and they they're all a little bit different and that's kind of how i feel like life is anyways it's to choose your own adventure it's already written for you and you can get wherever you're going but at the end of the day sometimes if you don't do what you're supposed to do you're going to get stuck and the only way to get anywhere else is to start oh start over and i think there's some games too like uh skyrim and uh fallout which i love but you can have wildly different experiences in the game and still go over here and do the other shit and still get where you're going. Or you can end up never completing your mission if you want to. And that's just like life too, is you can actually sit here and do nothing and never get your mission done. You'll just sit there and fucking do whatever you want to do on earth, which is fine if you're in that lifetime. But, um, you know, I feel like life is the game and we should definitely start playing it. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I feel like that's kind of the theme of my life though is just keep going keep going keep going keep going and the harder it gets the quicker i stand up so there i am in limbo in a hospital bed my mom doesn't know if i'm awake up my family doesn't know everybody's wondering and me and my mom have discussed pulling the plug if one of us ever got in a situation like this because my car accident i was like yo just so you know pull it just let me die you know we're cool with it and i'm sure she's sitting there like damn i'm gonna have to pull the plug on my son you know and it's a it's pretty intense and finally i feel my toe getting twisted i'm like oh fuck and i just hear the it's all beeping i can kind of feel some shit on my arms and i wake up my vision's blurry and i see my ex-girlfriend <laughs> right in front of me twisting my toe I'm like oh god not you so disappointed to see her but it wasn't her fault she was cool you know we she was you know she was just we were young you know what i'm saying i i didn't do it to hurt her feelings i literally was doing it to escape my life and i felt bad that you know we were even together and that i did it at her house and all that shit. but at the end of the day um i start waking up my skin was feeling unfamiliar to me like i was touching it and it felt like 
it felt like a sponge, bro. Like my muscles weren't muscles. It was so soft. Like I'm touching it now and I just feel muscle. I'm trying to like re relive it. But thank God I can't. But so I ended up grounded back in this body, kind of um, having to realize that I just failed my own suicide. And here I am. I still got to wake up and <laughs> deal with it. Um, so I start to come to my senses a little bit and the, the nurses come in there and they basically say, okay, well, that's really good that you're alive. I'm really happy for that. Um, your family doesn't really want to talk to you <laughs> and, um, you have to go to the mental home basically to make sure that you're okay mentally to, before we can let you out. I was like, ah, shit. So <laughs> now I got to go from killing myself, failing being locked in a hospital to getting sent to the mental home, which everybody knows the mental homes in Wyoming. Like it's a thing, you know? And, um, before this, I was the good kid. I had, you know, I had my brief chance to be the bad kid and be popular and ultimately rejected it. But I was just starting to think like, there is no real victory for the good guy, you know? And I started feeling sad. And even though I tried to kill myself, it didn't, I couldn't even do that. So I started thinking in my head, maybe I just need to become the bad guy or figure out where I could fit in with the bad because I can't be good and get anywhere in life. You know, I was just starting to feel that way about life, as sad as it is. I was just tired of losing. So that's kind of where this mask of uh, static started, which is what I always call it when I talk about static. Like I always identify that as like my ego, my protector, the, the person that'll do what Derek wouldn't, the fearlessness, the courage, you know, for better and worse. Yeah, in the every person situation. you have to be for others, not necessarily the person you want to be for yourself. Right. And there's always a thin line because uh, I relate to like a Bruce Wayne character, but in the sense that I could either become Batman and protect people who are hurt like me and make sure that they don't have to go through what I went through. Or I could end up the Joker, <laughs> don that clown paint forever, and that becomes my character, and that's who I am, is the bad guy, the villain, the fucking, you know, and this is where my villain arc started. It, it didn't last, last very long, and again, I've never been a bad person, so I've never been a tough person that goes out to hurt people. Even when I would go through my, uh, we'll call it the villain era, um, I was still this type of person that just couldn't hurt nobody. So, And you'll see, even when I'm hanging out with cats that can, I'm the guy that's like trying to help people, you know, help out these girls, help out these kids, and it's just like... It is what it is. Static is the survivor. He's the one that gets me through. Um, but that that inner soul, that was Derek Jensen, that inner child, the one that Static had to grow to protect, you know? And I think that's the case for a lot of us is that we all have this broken little inner child that just never got to heal or grow up, yeah. you know? And um, so I'm sitting there in the mental hospital and they're telling me, you have to get on these medications. And I'm like, bro, I fucking hate medications. Like I'm, I'm so tired of doing pills. Um, and they put me on this antidepressant that actually made it to where I couldn't even pee. So now I, like, I couldn't pee and I don't know how to explain it. Like before I killed myself, those, those pills made my brain stop being able to work. So I was like, <laughs> that was intense. Not being able to know how to do shit that you normally do without thinking about it. Right. And now I can't fucking pee <laughs> and I'm in this hospital and all these nurses are around me. They don't know if they believe me. And I'm like, no, this hurts. And I couldn't do it. And as strong as I am mentally, that's like the, that's the bad part is that my brain is that strong. That's stronger than me at least was. Um, and so they, uh, finally got to the point where they're like, okay, this kid's clearly not peeing. We're kind of worried about him. They, they tell me we got a catheter, which I don't, if you don't know at home, that's like a tube they stick in your pee hole <laughs> to make sure that you can pee. Ugh. They tell me that they don't have any numbing agents either. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, did I just go to hell? I'm pretty sure I'm in hell. It's yeah. for sure hell. So they're, I'm like, fuck it, do it. And they're like, well, you have a choice. You can keep it in you 
and walk around. I'm like, dude, I'm 17. <laughs> I don't want to walk around with a pee bag on me. Or you can um, do a fucking catheter every time you have to pee. And then we don't have numbing agents, so it's going to hurt every time. I'm like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> you fucking bitch. So I let her, I let him do it every single time. And every, it felt sadistic. And maybe it wasn't personal, but it felt like it. It was always six girls hovering around me, grabbing my thing, and just like, ah, bleh, 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 just shoving the tube. I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, and I am a bitch when it comes to pain. I, was I do not to like say, to, I don't I like it. You say, you fucking bitch. Like, I feel like you were talking to yourself. Like, you're calling <laughs> yourself a fucking bitch. No, I was talking to this lady who wants to shove a fucking thing in my fucking dick and, like, gets off on it. Because some, some of these nurses and people, some of them are really good people who love you. Others, <laughs> they're fucking sick, too. You know what I'm saying? They like, they, they're there because they like to see people in pain. Not all of them. Again, this, I'm just saying, this felt personal. It hurt. I was like, damn it. So, um, eventually they had to like get me off that pill that was causing that stuff and it slowly started to get better but I, I pretty much had to do that the entire time i was there and i was there for a couple months and um while i was there though i met i was in the kids unit right i'm an adolescent at the time and i met this other kid um ben who was like kind of crazy or at least pretended good and he was trying to start like a riot and i was like i was a I was hanging out with this chick there too. We couldn't we couldn't like mingle too closely because it was a boy girl thing, but we were talking to each other and I was kind of falling for her. Meanwhile, this dude Ben's like, "Yo, we should start a riot and it'd be fun. It'd be funny." And I was like, "Mental ward riot." Yeah, I was like mental house riot. Let's go. I fucking you know. I told you I'm like, let's put on that clown paint. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. Fuck it. I ain't Batman no more. So we started stashing these Easter eggs and shit, and they were like getting stinky. It was getting pretty nasty. And I finally told him like, bro, we're gonna have to do this eventually. Like, I don't want to sit here with this stinky ass egg in my room. And he's like, all right, let's get it. And then we go out there and we start doing it. And I realize when I'm out there, I'm throwing shit at the fucking uh, at the staff. <laughs> And I realized I'm the only one doing it. I look back at him. He didn't throw nothing. He did start some shit with the, with the staff, though, too. So he got tackled. But then this other guy's running at me, and he's the biggest guy in the room. He's like, <laughs> fucking tackles the shit out of me. I'm on the floor looking at Ben like, you didn't even throw a fucking egg, <laughs> you know? And I'm just sitting there. And they ended up picking me up and uh, because they called me the instigator, mm -hmm. which is, is what it is. I had to get moved to the adult unit. Ooh. Yeah, so when I walked into uh, the mental home at first, it was all old people screaming like, ah, 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 and, like drooling and shit. Like this is real people that they got real issues, you know, and I fucking pray for them. I feel bad for people that have to deal with that kind of shit. But they were really out there screaming and scratching their neck, pulling their hair out and shit. And now I was in their fucking house. So, but they couldn't put me in there because I'm a, I'm a minor and that would be illegal. So they had this little white room which was smaller than this room, smaller than this shit. And that's where they kept me in my bed. And it was all white and it was a camera on me and one white blanket. It was kind of like being in the hole in jail. And I don't know if people understand like, man, being in isolation does nothing good for a, a human's mind. Does nothing good for a person. It doesn't make you like feel like I'm never gonna do that again. In fact, it kind of just makes you get a little crazier <laughs> like i got to the point i didn't they wouldn't give me pencils because they were afraid i was going to stab myself they wouldn't give me shampoo to clean myself because they're afraid i was going to get drunk i'm like guys you're treating me like a fucking less than a dog you know what i'm saying i feel like i'm about to get eaten or you're gonna fucking throw me in the pot next <laughs> you know it's just i felt like fucking nothing and uh it was the point i was balancing the stress ball on my nose oh uh, like a circus seal yeah yeah and that's when i realized like i'm a fucking lion i'm the king of the jungle what am i doing here Fucking balancing a fucking nose on my ball or a ball on my nose. I'm just, I couldn't understand it. So I'm, I'm realizing 
if they're looking at me on the camera right now, <laughs> they probably think I'm crazy. Here I am bored as fuck and they think I'm crazy. So that's when I snapped into this monk mode and then I'm like, okay, I need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, and I started to do the things that I needed to do to, you know, get out, which is obviously show that you're not crazy. <laughs> so I started to do that. And um, I started to really acknowledge the light and decided if I'm going to be in a situation where I'm supposed to get therapy, I'm going to take it and I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm not going to sit there and uh, hurt myself or stress out my family. You know what I'm saying? So I started, I guess I matured a little bit after that. So after three long months in the mental home, they finally say, all right, Derek's good. He, we don't think he's going to hurt himself again. And I'm released. And by now, we're going to skip forward. And whatever timeline we're in, Ted is dead. I survived. That's the facts. Facts is facts. That's concrete reality. That's canon for me, regardless of what I've experienced and what I remember. And I'm 18 years old right now. Uh, even though I had dabbled with my friends, my old school friends in petty, stupid crime stuff, criminal shit, um, I never really did anything that wrong. Um, it, it was hard though, because I started dealing with my, my new friends who were like the, the, you know, the criminal kids. They were like the ones that were really living that bad life. And then me and my homies who were trying not to live that bad life, like we'd make promises to each other, like me and Funky at one point were like, yo, well, let's not drink all that hard liquor. Cause I told you how much I drank. Um, the yeah. doctor told me, yo, you're going to get liver cirrhosis by the time you're 23. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Before I turned 21, I was hearing that from a doctor. So I was like, damn. So we promised not to do that. Me and Junebug promised to graduate high school. Like we had like good, good things for, for friends to be doing like that. As well as I had these other homies who were like, yo, let's, uh, let's start flipping boats. Let's start slanging. Let's start, <laughs> you know, let's run the streets from here to here to wherever, and, you know, as much as I'm not about that shit because I didn't want to get involved, I also was kind of enjoying it because they wanted me to like, you know, they looked up to me. So it's like it's just kind of a cool thing, I guess. But at the same time, I'm also getting into my music because that dude, MC Virus, I told you about, he started to see my music not only doing good, but getting popularity around town. He had actually said at this point, he was starting to set me up like, yo, I got a show coming up. You can uh, per open up for me. And if you actually do a good job i'll sign you to my record label oh yeah i was like okay because he was actually popular he was like a low-key underground celebrity in in town like he would do wrestling things he would do all kinds of shit you know what i'm saying so it made it easy for me to be like you want me on your label okay shit that means i get to skip all these steps all these other cats <laughs> they have to jump through these hoops and i don't sure so meanwhile i got my old school homies who we're just doing petty shit i got my real criminal homies. And then I got my music homies who I'm start to about fuck with, but really I'm just like a, a, a new cat to them. You know what I'm saying? Um, I tried to keep these two circles, the old school homies and the criminal homies apart because these guys fucked with uh, meth and like big bear heroin shit, like ecstasy, like real, real drugs. And um, I didn't do any of the hard drugs. The only time I do some is occasional blow or some X here and there. Mostly I stuck to weed and alcohol. Um, but my friends did too. We were partiers and we liked to party, but I was worried about these guys getting hooked on meth. And eventually I couldn't help it. This two circles started to blend, but these homies started getting on meth, me, except for me and funky. And, um, really I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing about it. Um, again, I was trying to fit in with the bad, so I didn't really know where to start. I figured, Hey, I'm just going to put out music. I've got a job as well. So that way, cause I did get my first DUI and then I got a job. So that way I could be on paper doing good, paying my bills, yada, yada. By night, I started slanging weed because I figured that's the less of 
worse evils. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that was the medicine that helped me and kept me off these pills that were killing me. And to me, it's like, I'm like, I'm kind of healing people and I'm helping people with these herbs. So that's how I justified it anyways. (laughs) At the time, it was like selling meth, like if you got in trouble. But again, it was it was a lot less um, bad. Like if I went to jail for that, I would get out a lot sooner than if I went to jail for what they were doing. And again, all my friends were in and out of prison. Like I was the guy that never got touched because I knew where to keep my hands clean. And I was just smart about it. There's a reason everybody called me Godfather. It wasn't because I was running gangs or nothing. It was because I was like a, a leader, you know, a father figure in some ways. Um, but the weed helped me a lot. I considered it a gift from God and, um, you know, alcohol helped me with social anxiety and really got me in that place to where I could be static instead of having to be Derek. And I considered it a gift from the devil. So it's like, I got these two things. I put them in my utility belt. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to handle life. I got a fucking job. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting my own places. You know what I'm saying? Organized. I got multiple friend groups. Now I'm becoming the popular kid around town to the point that I'm like, talking to my brother, I told him to jump on my show with me because he was a member of Popular from... Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you want to be my hype man? He was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so he became my hype man because we became homies. And uh, and then uh, basically we started getting ready to take the town over, take over Casper. And that, uh, it was really a cool time for me. But again, a little dangerous because I was getting reckless with my behavior. The, the way I acted in school when I wrote fuck you on my knuckles, mm-hmm. the way I fucking pegged those people with the, <laughs> the Easter eggs, that was starting to become how I acted and how I responded. It wasn't just rebellious. It was, it was reckless. And, you know, I've not, but that said, I've never been the guy who just feeds my demons, even in darkness. So I was over here doing these good things too. And um, with the money I made from weed, I used that to go put, make my music. Like, I, I don't remember how I found him. But this guy made rock music. Um, his name was like Zen, I think. And he recorded my first album. I was just experimenting and I was like, cool, I can make music. And um, I, he ended up quitting being an engineer. So I bought that from him. So I bought his studio from him, put it in my mom's basement where I lived at the time. And that's when I started engineering. I started learning how to mix and master my own music. And that's where the music dream really planted its seeds and got took root into my fucking life yeah long dream you know denied when you're young in the choir and then x amount of years later it's like i'm just gonna do my own studio just the fact that i was able to take the equipment that i've never had in my life and just decide hey i guess i'm gonna learn how to engineer the music now is a kind of a testament to how i would get successful in the future as well and you'll hear it over and over it's like well i guess i'll become a booking agent okay i'm going to become a marketing manager okay i'm going to own a record label all right cool let's make a crypto (laughs) these are really real shit that i do across my journey you've worn many hats hey man i like to wear some extra hats it uh expands the horizons you know but i like to be a master at what i do so that's why um back then the dream was music I, i had to go so many other roads along the musical journey and now I'm happy to say I'm focusing a lot more on the music again, but man, anyways, you know, I want to mention too, again, I'm going to have this disclaimer here and there for this, especially through the early part of my career or my story where I mentioned that I'm sharing this for educational, scientifical, theological entertainment purposes. And while it's true, my story is true. Any like criminal behavior I'm talking about, it's alleged. <laughs> like I'm not, this is not an admission to guilt. This is a, this is a, just a story about somebody who's fucked up in the past and overcame it. And I really want to provide that kind of a story for somebody who might be in an era like that themselves, where they're on drugs or they're feeling suicidal or they're dealing with gang violence or they're, they're not knowing where to go. 
Um, so please don't use my story to hurt me or slander me in any way. I'm being honest because I want to help people. And that's really what it's about. Um, so that said, I did mention, I have these two crews that started to kind of blend. I was like one of the leaders of each crew, but not as like a, like a leader in that kind of way. It was just like a, a father figure. Like I was the guy that was like not doing math. <laughs> so the Godfather. Every, yeah, that's what they called me, but it was like not a title or anything like that. So don't come Rico me. And it is what it is. And um, I mean, there's a point at, at the end of this before I get into my music story, and um, when I tell my friends here that I'm like, yo, I can't do this anymore, <laughs> you know, and they start dealing to cops, like literally like dealing drugs to cops, knowing that it's cops, but they're fake drugs. And it's just this whole this whole story that's about to come up to that brought me to the fork in the road where I knew I had to get the fuck out of Dodge and get back onto my dream or I was going to sit the rest of my life in prison. And that's how I met my wife. But this is back before that. This is still, um, that's what she was dealing with the, these guys on the right, you know, the, the Riverside cats, while as my old school friends, um, you know, we tried, I tried to keep them separated, but again, they ended up on the dope. And, uh, I even made songs. I made songs back then. I made a song about getting off meth and I made it so that my friends um, would listen to it and hopefully get off the drugs. Like it, it's weird when you're dealing with being in these gang situations, these drug dealer situations to the point that you even start slanging yourself and involving, getting involved yourself. But you're like the moral compass mm. at the same time. It's a weird place to be, but I liked it. It was like a good place for me to be. It was like, I was always able to help somebody. You felt you belong there as opposed to the places that your society says, Hey, you belong in school, but you didn't feel like you belong there. Yeah. Which is fucked up. Cause I always wanted to do good there. You know, I always wanted to do good in church and school and all these places. I just felt that's not where I was needed. I, I feel like I came for the lost, not the found. You know what I'm saying? I've heard that before. And that's just how I feel 100% black shepherd. You know, I think we've talked about that. And that's kind of where this whole concept started is that I'm going out for these black sheep. And that's where I feel comfortable and around the sinners. And these guys are doing some crazy shit. But at the same time, I'm feeling lost in a world where I ain't got nobody. Right. Even my family's like, yo, we'll give you a job, <laughs> you know, but we don't want you fucking up and doing all that, which is good. But these guys, they ain't judging me and they're taking me in. They're my protection. And while I'm building up my music thing independently, now I got like, a, you know, a gang of dudes around me that will fuck anybody up if they try to try to oppose me, which is a good thing to have in the music industry, because especially in these small towns, it's a little different. Like in these bigger cities, you can kind of avoid it, avoid people. You know, you don't always see everybody once you're yeah. done. Small towns, you see them at the block and it's going down, yeah. bro. And that's how it was. Like we were getting in fights at the corner. We get in fights at the park. There'd be people pulling guns out, people pulling pull sticks and fucking bashing each other in the head. It was like a fucking constant. I kind of have PTSD just from existing in Wyoming, bro. Wyoming is a fucking wild west motherfucker. Small towns, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows what's going on and emotions can run a lot higher versus the kind of zombie you can easily get lost in the crowd when you're in a big city. That's why I ended up moving. Um, but this is, okay, after that killed myself, I started finding peace and finding myself by finding peace in static, in my ego, in my character, in, in that person. Uh, which was at the time more of a persona. Um, over time, I've kind of blended into my full person, which is a mixture of Derek Jensen, Static G, Static Jesus, all these like entities that I've named. But again, um, back then I'm kind of just starting to dive in and I'm starting to get respect from the town and I'm kind of getting off on it, but I'm starting to have to learn, okay, I went overboard with the pills. 
I should not do pills anymore. So after I got out the mental home, I quit doing the pills and I promised myself, okay, no more of that. I'm not going to get back on those pills. Um, no more blacking out, no more trying to kill myself. <laughs> you know, it was just a promise I made myself and, um, you know, things were going really good for me. And I feel like I found my purpose. Once I started releasing my music, people were drawn to me and I was, I, I was, it's not like I found something that I didn't want to do or that everybody else was doing and that I wanted to do. I found something that I was good at. And it, because I was good at what I did, people came to me and it helped me feel my purpose because that's what it's about. Yeah, and I'm hearing not even just that because your purpose, you know, sounds like you found that even when you're very young, when you're a little kid and you were talented in the choir, but in that environment, nobody saw you. But now you yeah. found a way where you could be seen and this is the thing that you loved about yourself and you wanted to share. Right, because I think the, the thing that gives me my value, I think is my values. It is the fucking fact that I don't, I ain't going to go out and hurt nobody, especially like even when I was robbing shit, like it was always either, you know, if they fucking ripped us off or robbed us first, we we hit a lick back. It was never like I was just going and picking on innocent people. And, you know, I was even when it was like it was like businesses and shit, it was always like that, you know, Robin Hood style. And the value also came in the fact that I had a talent that was appreciated yeah. because you're dealing with a lot of people who felt lost and have these like visions. They're like, I wish I could sing. I wish I could do yeah. this. I wish I could do that. And here they are. They see this guy who's actually doing it and trying. And, you know, and that to me, it's like being a beacon of hope, you know, for people that just feel sad or lost. And then you make a song and it relates to them. And it's like, not only do they get to experience this song, they know the motherfucker who wrote it. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they're friends with the person who sang it. So I build these personal connections and that's how I lived a lot of my artist career is a lot of my fans I've met in person and I've, I've, I've traveled to them and <laughs> we've hung out, we've partied together or I've signed their t-shirts and stuff like that. And I think that's pretty cool because this is where it all started it was a small town in Wyoming, you know, where you would never think a little white boy would pop up as a rapper, but here I am and there I did yeah. it and we were doing good. Yeah. And it makes kind of sense. Cause you even said like the school system, the young youth, it didn't support that. It didn't want mm -hmm. that to pop up. It only by going into this environment, when you started sharing it there, that it started to blow up. Like you started to actually be seen with this gift and this love of song, this love of, you know, sharing that gift. And yeah. finally it's being seen, finally you get to share it. And it's sad because it, I hate to say this, but it's almost like, I don't, you know, maybe I would have shared it regardless, but I almost feel like Ted dying is what really pushed me over the edge to be like, okay, well, the guy who believed me is dead. I survived my suicide. I have no, I need to do this. This is why I'm doing it. And I put it out there. And then when people came to me saying, yo, you're good at what you do. I really like this. It's just confirmation. It's confirmation. You feel me? And I'm just like, okay, now I get it. Now I'm seeing what I'm supposed to do. And then I mentioned in one of the first episodes of that Batman moment, you know, where, where you have that moment where you cross over and decide, like, I'm going to make a change in my life. And yeah. just, I, I hope everybody gets to have one that's not so repeatedly and consistently painful like mine. But at the same time, if you can learn to appreciate the pain for what it is, it really makes the sting less and the, and the growth a lot faster and more consistent. Yeah. Pain can be an opportunity for growth, but you have to choose to walk that hard path. Yeah. You have to choose to keep going because it's easy to say, ouch and turn around yeah but then i've noticed um i'm one of those people who's transformed and grown my entire life like you can look at me every single year and you'll see a different version of me and then yeah. i've seen some people and no offense to them i'm like that's your life that's who you are in this life that's cool that you found it but they just stay right there and they're all the way from fucking 20 to 50 to yeah. 80 and it's like cool you did you
Yeah, I, I've seen it in a different light. Like literally, like you said, like sometimes it is that someone is just blessed. They find their love and their light very early in life. Like, hey, I found it super early. This is what I am for the rest of existence. Others, it's they don't find it, but they get stuck somewhere and they don't, you know, look to figure out how do I actually find this? What work do I have to do? The keyword is find. Um, yeah. And what do you do when you find? You don't sit and wait for it to find you. You yeah. got to get out there and look. And yeah. it's just like the same with God. It's like you. when I tell people on the internet all the time, I pull a card on you, I'm like, find God or find your purpose. You have to get out there and seek. <laughs> you have to get out there and look for it. Explore, travel, <clears throat> adventure. Do you what know, you got to do. Go out, if you know that the environment you're in is not serving you, then go try a different environment. Bro, I played football. I played basketball. I played volleyball. I played uh, soccer. I like soccer a little bit because um, I like kicking shit. I, I, play, I did do a taekwondo. I don't know if I told you all that story about how I was passing through the ranks. You did. I did. And then they fucking wouldn't let me pass no more because I was yep. going too quick and the parents made yep. me stop. Fuck that shit. So like, I've done, I, I like to fight and I like to make music. <laughs> so I'm like, I think the, the the light behavior is probably my music and the fight is just to defend me and my family. You know, I don't want to fucking <laughs> nobody fuck with me, you know, protect my family. Anyways, so let's identify real quick since we are getting pretty close to that time. Yeah. Um, what the purpose of this episode is which is to identify that reality is ever changing and the soul is infinite and that life is death as above so below as within so without you know that's that's a big thing to learn here is that even if you feel like this is what you know and it's a fact without a doubt it can change (laughs) and i just fucking proved it in this episode with sally field who believes that she's in this one timeline when everybody else seen her over here or for me who actually died and has experienced I said three because I've given three examples in this, but it's actually over four. One specific one that was weird to me, which I'll tell you once we get to 2017 Static G. Okay. <laughs> For now, we're going to leave it alone. But um, why I think it's important is because how you feel ultimately shapes how you act at first. But if you control how you react, no matter how you feel, you can start to really manage the world around you and stop letting it affect you. And if you can't, if you react to everything you see, you're going to basically bleed all over everybody. You're going to run people away and it's going to cause problems for you in real life and prevent you and block your own blessings. Accept that whatever happens in life is supposed to happen, good or bad. And then saying, you know, how you go from there is really up to you. But this, when I did that, I woke up and this was all about finding myself and saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to be. And for better or worse, even though I had to go the dark path of kicking it with the criminals, going to the streets, dealing with that shit, getting kicked out of my mom's house and all that, buying a studio, getting a job, figuring it out the right way, getting back into the streets, slanging and doing all this extra shit. All I'm really doing is I'm being a scientist and seeing what works best. (laughs) Your most important decisions can come when you are the most hurt. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a decision to uplift yourself and challenge yourself and do some hard work or to stay asleep and try not to feel more pain, you know, that's going to be a very hard choice that sometimes we all have to make. Yeah. And you should never make decisions when you're upset. You should never react when you're mad. Um, You know what I'm saying? You should never make promises when you're super happy. You should always ground your emotions before you do these kind of things. It's really important. And I think if you can do that, you can start to shape your reality, which is what this is about, because you are going to have to balance your chakras. You are going to have to connect to God. You are going to have to tap into your third eye. Um, And that means that when life hits you and it will like a fucking train and hit you like a book to the face, Uh, 
you're gonna have to learn how to fucking take that information yeah. and absorb the words in it reminds me of my favorite stallone quote um you know basically it goes that uh you know life you know let me tell you something about life you know it's a whole thing and it'll beat you to your knees if you let it but it's not about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit and get back up and keep moving forward yeah get knocked down 10 times get up 11 and yep. you gotta let life pull you where you're supposed to go because you'll see where you're supposed to go and if you feel like you're not being pulled any direction it might be that you are where you're supposed to be and you're just supposed to enjoy your fucking life it's crazy some people just you're you're in a good resting life you're supposed to just enjoy it and find somebody that you love or find something you something you love to do you know some something like that there's purpose for you everybody has it um and that's the thing is you shouldn't worry about what you can't control just to focus on what you can control um and if you start to just have patience and faith these things can manifest in your life because then you'll start to have that positivity that you need to get to the next level and as a person who is like socially unaccepted also pretty much not interested in being in a social environment i find it interesting that i was gravitated as a person with some social anxiety i find it interesting that i was gravitated to the stage and why is that it's because my purpose is to conquer my fear i have generalized anxiety and ptsd so when i get on the stage if before i get there I get the shakes, I get stomach, I get butterflies. I, to this day, it makes me so fucking nervous. And I put myself in a position to where every time to live out my purpose, I have to face my fears and conquer it every single time. And I think that's something that everybody could start to realize is that yes, your comfort zone is important to start your growth. That's yep. your soil. You're getting outside your comfort zone is how you grow. And yep. that's why every time I get on stage, I'm stepping outside my comfort zone and I'm growing a little bit and I'm doing it for them just as much as I'm doing it for me, you know? Beautiful. Yeah, but you know, I had to find my purpose by doing this. Uh, and now we're getting into my villain era again, but um, that's because after I did this, I feel like I went to hell. I went to hell mentally, spiritually. I was the furthest from God. I was detached. I told you I stopped believing in God at this point. I was detached. And um, I just felt like um, this was the point where I really started walking through the desert and having to figure out shit for myself while at the same time being kind of like unknowingly led down this path. And that's what I did is I was attracted to the light. And I think that if we can all identify the light in our life, what is that light in your life that makes you feel happy, that gives you that deep breath in your chest where you're like, whoo, I feel good. You know, what does that for you? And if you could find out a way to either implement that in your life on a regular basis or make that your job, your profession, you win. You win at life. That's how you win at life is to do what you love. Um, and that's how you really transform. And this is where my transformation started. The big, the big transformation, that moment where I could have been going the Joker path, the dark shadow path. Ultimately, I went the path of the hero, which I'm happy for. <laughs> I'm proud of myself because I had every opportunity to go the other dark route. And um, I'm excited to show you guys how I ended up getting out of all this. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks for uh, jumping on this with me again. And before we go, I kind of want you guys to consider the fact reality is not what you think it is. Just let go of the idea that you think you know what's going on. I don't know everything, but I do have a lot of personal experiences, again, with death, life, God. <laughs> I've done a lot of studying, and I've, I want to share this with you guys. And I'm telling you right now, my intentions are pure. I live only to serve you guys. I really take a lot of time on creating these episodes so I can uh, do this for you yeah, guys. You I can know? attest to that as a witness of, like, you have regularly burning the candle at both ends, putting in. <laughs> 
you know, what, like tens, if not what, crazy amounts of hours in a week yeah. to put these podcasts, scripts together. I mean, I'll wake up at like 4 a.m. and then I'll work all day until like literally 9, 10 p.m. and pass out. Yeah. And it's it's the podcast. It's on the music. Um, that said, um, do your own research. Don't have an existential crisis. I know this Mandela effect might fuck up some of your guys' heads if you haven't heard about it before but i'm here to tell you as somebody who's been through multiple realities you're gonna be fine you're gonna live <laughs> nothing's gonna get too crazy the best thing about it is that you are in control with your heart your heart is taking you places so make sure you got a good one that's it for episode six remember growth is uncomfortable healing hurts stop avoiding the work it's time this is your sign I am your boy, Static G. We got my man, Simbad, over here. This is Unlock the People podcast, episode six, Wake Up. Thank you guys so much. I will see you for episode seven.